as video games get older, we need to find better ways to preserve their history because when we buy new consoles, our games break. Uh, the way that video games are so technology-focused means that we're not really good at preserving our own history. And that doesn't just mean the games that are published. That means a whole lot more. Uh, in fact, the Strong National Museum of Play is such an organization, and it's kind of a museum and a historical site and a place where things are archived, is one such place where they're trying to make sure that we have a better sense of the history of games, not only for the public like you and me, uh, but for researchers. And uh, the Strong recently acquired basically 21 or 22 pallets of uh, archived uh ancient Atari coin-up material from back in their heyday. We're talking Pong, Centipede, Asteroids. And they acquired this from a collector who had acquired it when Atari uh, went under and then midway they became Midway West and then Midway West liquidated and this collector acquired all this material and then uh, has given it over to the Strong National Museum of play, and uh, I recently had a chance to talk with uh, Jeremy Saussier, who's the assistant director of the International Center for the History of Electronic Games. <sighs> Basically, Jeremy is in charge of the video game division of the Strong Museum, and uh, we talked about what's in all this material they've acquired, why it's important to acquire this material, and just how soon the public will get to see a little bit of what they've found. I guess you started out, could you sort of explain what exactly you guys have acquired uh, from Atari? Well, so um, it's... And I probably am overusing this this word now, but it really is a massive collection, um, and I mean that comparatively to other. Um, you know, we have other company collections here, other sorts of corporate records, uh, and this is certainly uh, by far the the largest. So, um, in terms of how we look at it, it's a massive collection of materials. Um, from Atari, uh, Atari games, uh, and what I guess ultimately becomes Midway Games West. So from '72 to 1999, and the uh, the materials range uh, from everything from things that are associated with the design of the game. So things like uh, hand-drawn assemblies. So you know there's there are um, hand-drawn kind of assembly schematics for like the cabinet for Pong from 1972. Um, and then there are, but then there are also hand-drawn assemblies for like, um, you know, just a part, you know, like a coin door on another arcade game. So it's, it's really, um, you know, very detailed in the sense of, you know, some of it's like, Big stuff like an entire cabinet. Some of it is the real small parts of a of a game. Um, so you have design on that end, but then you also have um, you know concept artwork, um, design artwork, um, and also original artwork for say like the the control panels, um, the the marquees. So the, the 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 stuff that the artwork is actually on the outside of these coin app uh, cabinets, uh, and then design in the sense that you have the documentation, um, where you would see 
Um, the example I keep thinking, I, I look through a, a few of these and um, have them look at video pinball um, and, and asteroids. And, you know, on the first few pages, what you're seeing are hand-drawn or handwritten notes. Um, you know, and so for asteroids, the, you, you know, you, you have notes about, um, you know, the, the, the vector monitor. You have notes about the control scheme and, and how things are going to work and how the sound effects work. In video pinball, you actually see, um, you know, it's on notebook paper, drawn out, hand-drawn, what the, the play field inside the cabinet is going to look like. Um, you know, so you have that kind of design stuff, but then you also have documentation where there are these uh, copies of inner office memos and um, correspondence between different people in, in the company talking about, um, you, you know, what they're going to do with this game, um, you know, how it's being manufactured, how much it's going to cost, you know, the different parts that are needed. Uh, you, you know, so a lot of, of those kinds of things. So, so you have stuff at that level, um, and then you have, you know, things where um, the, the sort of the, uh, you know, the DNA of the game, right, so we have this source code for um, virtually all the games from about 76 to 1983, and um, those are all on 8-inch floppy disks. So you have the, the, the kind of the essence of, of these games in, in some ways. Um, and then you have the kind of the side of it where it's, um, you know, how did they sell these games? Um, you know, so we have things like, um, you know, if you think of the, the um, Atari advertisements, the print ads. So if you think of the ad for, say, Asteroids Deluxe, there's a, an astronaut with a gun uh, in the ad. And so uh, we have these... Um, you know, the, the actual original photographs from that photo shoot. So you can actually see the kind of raw materials, right, that they made these choices about how it was that they were going to market this game and um, what was the image of the astronaut that uh, actually, you know, uh, made the point that they wanted to make about asteroids. So, so there's a lot of uh, different materials that, um, you know, ha have either not really been seen before um, you know, by the public, but then there are materials where, that are incredibly valuable in terms of people writing this history and, and giving us some insight into, um, you know, how they, how they made these machines, um, you know, how they, how they uh, manufactured them and, and how they marketed them. So, so how did you actually get your hands on this stuff? Like, how does an acquisition like this occur? Is this, as a, like, does it just show up in a, in a, in a bunch of trucks? Do you guys go to a warehouse? Like, how exactly did you guys go from, you know, wanting to acquire this material to actually, you know, getting your hands on it? Well, so it's a long, <laughs> a long <laughs> um, you know, we, uh, we, we met, um, we met the person who owned the materials, who acquired them when Midway um, liquidated you know, basically all the Atari assets before Midway closed um, that office. Um, you know, so before they closed that down, they, they had a series of, um, like, sealed bid auctions. And, and uh, you know, so this was over a decade ago. And this particular um, collector had the foresight of, um, you know, of, of saving this stuff from being dumped or even, you know, um, you know, if not thrown away, 
maybe being dispersed. You know, I'm sure many, much of it would have been thrown away. But even then, even you know, some of it would have been dispersed in many different directions. Um, but we connected with him uh, through an industry conference. You might be familiar with Dice. Um, and so we connected with him at a, at a conference, and um, and it's just been uh, working with him, um, you know, for you know certainly over a year. Um, and we had acquired actually, um, forgetting the, the the timeline here, but we had a we had an exhibit last summer uh, about uh, Atari um, coin op that we had based on a small sample, about 250 design documents that we acquired from um, the same person. So we, you know, we had sort of built a relationship there and, and um, he saw, you know, that, you know, what we did with these things, he saw that, you know, they were going to a museum that um, they would be preserved and, and uh, exhibited and, and provided, um, you know, and that, that we would make them accessible to, to researchers in the future. So, um, you know, some of it was just relationship building. And uh, but to answer the, the the very practical question, um, yeah, it it all goes on. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I went out to to look at the stuff. I mean, it, it, um, and it all you know ends up being shipped on about twenty twenty two pallets, um, you know, on a truck. So it's. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of material. <laughs> so, can you, uh, for folks that maybe aren't familiar with uh, the Strong, you know, being the National Museum of Play, what, what exactly does that mean, and why? Why is it for you guys important to get your hands on this sort of, uh, you know, primary material in order to not only present them to the public, but it, it sounds like you know you have a, a strong interest in uh, being able to have. Uh, you know, a, a, a first-hand understanding of the history of games from the perspective of the people who made that history? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, so from a, a kind of broader perspective here is that um, the Strong is the only collections-based museum in the world that's dedicated solely to the study and the exploration of play. Um, so it's part of our mission um, being a, a museum of play to um, to to preserve um, the history of play, right? so that's kind of one of the the most important parts of our mission is to preserve it and to promote play uh, as being something that uh, is integral to human development. So, um, you know, another way to answer this is that within you know within the strong um, we have different what we call play partners, um, and ICHEG, or the International Center for the History of Electronic Games, um, which I'm the assistant director of, uh, is our, essentially our video game. Um, it's the, the area that deals specifically with electronic games. And, um, you know, the entire museum, we have, um, you know, we have curators that, um, you know, focus on board games. We have curators that focus on dolls, uh, toys, you know, so all sorts of different play things. So this is all part of our mission. Um, and, and, you know, iCheck just focuses specifically on, uh, on electronic games. And um, the, the museum itself has um, four 
PhD historians on staff. Our CEO is a, is, uh, has a PhD in American history as well. So um, it's, it's really, you know, we're historians and um, one of the one of the valuable things for us is that we can we can see the benefit of these kinds of things because we've done this sort of research. Um, so when I talk about um, you know seeing the advertisements, seeing how um, how the advertisements would have been constructed, seeing how, for instance, seeing focus group footage of focus groups, seeing um, uh, uh, you know market research reports. Uh, the kinds of things that, you know, these are the kinds of things that you don't usually have access to. Um, and so for us, thinking historically, is that it provides researchers, um, and, and we have, again, to uh, sort of trying to, uh, I'm going about this in a, a long way, but I'm trying to answer your <laughs> question. We, um, we have a library and archive uh, the Brian Sutton Smith Library and Archives of Play here as well, and we provide uh, access to um, to researchers, all sorts of different scholars, um, and and it's really a wide range because people want to come here to to um, you know, for instance, if you wanted to research something like um, on the history of the ball, for instance, there's a lot of different things there. There's tennis, there's ski ball, there's, you know, pinball, you know, so it's, um, so you'd have people who would want to come and actually look at these artifacts, original artifacts, but then do we have documentation, right? So video pinball might be part of this. Well, do we have documentation on what video pinball was? Do we have a video pinball machine? Do we have um, something that tells us what designers were thinking about um, how they created this game. Well, in the case of video pinball, we do now. Um, but we have, we have a, um, we, we make these things accessible to researchers. Many of them are historians. Many of them are, are different kinds of scholars. You know, we've had people come here to study, um, you know, we've had ethnomusicologists, for instance, come to look at um, the uh, the music from Prince of Persia, uh, we you know so so there's a lot of different angles to these things. So when you have an archive like this one that deals with the Atari Coinot materials, we can only anticipate some of the questions that researchers uh, are going to ask of these materials for you know the next hundred years. Um, you know a hundred years from now we don't know what kinds of questions people might ask of these materials, but we will have preserved them and we will have asked our own questions about these uh, things and, and, and hopefully have done a pretty good job of, of doing that through exhibits as well. Is there a particular piece that you've been the most excited about getting a chance to look at now that the material is actually coming in? You know, there's... <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it's almost one of these. Um, it, it's hard to be excited. I guess the best way to put it is it's hard to be excited about one thing because the collection is so um, so rich. Um, I think um, one. You know, I, I'll give you a, a few examples. And um, you know, one thing that was particularly exciting was. Um, was this to, to get this game Maze Invaders, um, which 
you know, was, was great to see a game that, you know, was unreleased. Um, because to me, so much of um, what we associate with Atari are games like Asteroids and Centipede um, and, and, you know, uh, and Pong. But, you know, here's a game that it, it sort of fits into the, to, um, to, to a sort of alternate history, right? That, uh, or maybe not an alternate history, it fits into, um, it, it, it fits into a different history, right? The, the one that we don't see. Um, so Ed Logg creates asteroids. He creates um, Centipede, right? He creates some of the most popular uh, Atari video games, um, you know, of the 20th century. And um, he creates Maze Invaders and it makes it to playtesting, but it never makes it out you know, into production. Um, so, you, so you have a game here that's an example, you know, a great example of how um, the, the industry worked and certainly how Atari functions. So I, so I was excited to see that, you know, here we have documentation for, for some of the most popular games um, that, you know, really changed the way that we played uh, games in arcades. Um, but then when there's also documentation and an actual physical artifact for a game that didn't make it, you know, didn't become asteroids. Uh, you know, so for every for every asteroids, there were dozens uh, of maze invaders, and for every maze invaders, there were hundreds of games that never even made it to playtesting. So I think that's a really interesting um, an interesting story um, in, in terms of some of the documentation and the the, the other sort of artifacts. Um, you know, it's it's very exciting to see things like. Um, there are a couple examples of uh, of hand-drawn storyboards for the Atari Star Wars arcade game, um, which I was a big fan of um, growing up. Um, you know, so to see some of these hand-drawn storyboards, seeing what they were thinking um, early on, um, you know, th those kinds of things. I mean, they lend themselves very well to exhibition and and um, and, and to give people a sense of. Um, some of the roads that, you know, people took and some of the roads that, um, you know, that they didn't explore further. Now that you've got access to a bunch of this uh, sort of raw material, you know, I've, I've heard from various uh, folks over the years that, especially early on, you know, the industry was, was pretty bad at keeping track of all this stuff. Like, you yeah. know, when you're making history, you might not be thinking about the fact that you should be archiving it. You know, that's often why we have people that go back and try and piece together that first-hand material for us. You know, now that you've got access to a bunch of this stuff from Atari, like, how good were they at archiving the, their own history that they were making? Well, my sense is from this, um, from the stuff that I've seen, that um, Atari did a pretty good job. Um, it, <laughs> I don't get the sense that they had a, a professional archive. I mean, let's, um, I, I want to be, um, the way to say this, um, there's, there's a difference between saving materials and, and, um, and archiving them. And they did a great job of saving many materials um, and um, having not, had the opportunity to actually go into the space where these things were being kept originally. It's hard to tell how those were originally organized. Um, so it's a little hard for me to answer the question um, with any, 
certainty. Um, but I think the fact that these things were saved and that they remained at Atari Games and later Midway until Midway liquidated it, I think, you know, speaks volumes um, to, you know, to the fact that there were people, um, and I'm not sure that we know exactly who they were, but there were people at Atari who believed that it was important to document these things and it was important to, to hold on to these things. Um, you know, because the nature of these binders, I think, is a good example of it, you know, where you have these binders where, um, you know, you're kind of seeing chronologically from, you know, whether it be from brainstorming, you know, all the way up to, to production, how something um, was sort of, it went from concept to, um, you know, to a final creation. And so that might have been something that they wanted to use internally to look back at, um, you, you know, but but for whatever reason, it was saved, uh, and we're <laughs> you know, incredibly grateful um, and appreciative of uh, the fact that these things were saved, and and that ultimately we were able to um, to preserve them. So so what happens from from here? Now you're you know digging through the material, trying to figure out uh, you know what's worth looking at and and what's uh, worth taking a closer look at. When does the the public get a get a chance to to look at some of what you found? Well, I think it's going to take. Um, I, I would say this first that um, we're going to. We, we don't have any plans for an immediate exhibit, but we will try to incorporate um, some of these materials into our um, into our electronic game exhibit that we already have. So we have a 5,000 square foot um, exhibit on the history of electronic games. So um, we will, uh, you know, as, as soon as we possibly can, we'll try to incorporate some of these materials into that. Um, but in terms of a collection of this size, um, it's going to take a while to really go through and archive this in a professional um you know, in a way that, that really meets museum standards. Um, you know, one of the benefits is we have, um, you know, an, an actual archivist, uh, or I shouldn't say an actual, a, you know, a professional archivist, someone who's trained in, um, as an archivist. And so what that, what, you know, and if you can think of 22 pallets worth of materials, what, what that entails is that you're not only going through the materials and saying, okay, this drawing, this maybe random drawing that doesn't say what it is on it, we need to you know, try to identify what this is. But it also involves, are there any conservation issues, right? What do we need to do with this? Is this drawing stable? Um, so, so, it, you know, so there are multiple levels to how, um, you know, how we'll proceed with this. And you know, the, the other thing is what we're dealing with is a lot of different forms of materials. So you have paper materials, but then you also have media. Um, there are 2,800 videos, and that ranges everything from game demos to um, to office parties to um, you know just to, to footage of going through the, the the warehouse or the manufacturing area. Um, but those videos range from you know pneumatic. Um, formats to uh, Betacam and, and VHS. So, you know, so you're talking about 
very different kinds of materials. And, this, and again, the, the source code is on floppy. You know, so you've got floppy disks. You've got um, you know, so you've got all different forms of media and different forms of of, um, of, of materials. So it's a challenge um, to kind of to to do all of these things and get it out there as immediately as as I'm sure we and, and and you know everyone would like us to do but because we want to preserve these materials you know in 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 the long term um you know we need to we need to actually evaluate um what it is that we have um I'll give you a great example of this is that um that the so there's hundreds of films from um uh like cabinet transfer films so like you have the original artwork that then is you know put on a film that you know they use to to do like silk screening for the artwork on the side of the cabinet um so most of those films and those art kits are you know were held in wooden map cases um that were in the original Atari art department and so those are not archivally you know, those are not, um, you know, those wouldn't be good to, to leave those in there for, for the long, you know, uh, over the long term. Um, so for us to, you know, for us to meet a certain archival standard, we'll need to make sure that all of those um, are, are moved to a different, you know, are housed differently. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a big job, um, but, we're capable of doing it, and 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 you know my my feeling is that um, we're um, we're the best place for these materials to be, and and we're we're honored and um, and thrilled to be preserving them. Um, but in terms of making them all publicly accessible, um, you know tomorrow it it will take it will take some time. 